couple of uh, weeks ago I talked about why does the church exist and why does CCK exist and really talked about that the church exists for the advancement of the kingdom of God and the church ultimately exists for the sake of the world. That you and I are on planet earth for the sake of those who don't yet know the Lord Jesus and don't yet know about the new birth. And what I'm going to do today is carry that on and talk about the role of leadership in terms of equipping a people who actually live an impactful life of bringing heaven to earth. And after I've uh, gone through the role of leadership, I'm going to read an announcement, which is really exciting, about a change that's happening at CCK in the way that leadership functions. So that's at the end, so you'll be curious. And all the way through, I'll be talking really and referring to what kind of leadership we're having and how that goes forward um, into the future. We often talk as a church about certain phrases, and maybe some of these phrases are really new to you. But just aware that since the pandemic, there's a, a lot of you who are new to this church and have just only just started to come. And one of the phrases we use is we're a non-hierarchical family. And you might think, what on earth is that about? And sometimes you find in church structures that you've got Jesus, the king, who works then through leaders who then are the bosses of the people. It's a hierarchy. And we don't believe that. We believe that Jesus is equally all of our king. We all have access to God. And actually, we're a body, not a hierarchy with bosses over people. I don't know if that's a new thought for you. We're a kingdom family. And one of our emphasis is on equality. Equality between men and women. Equality between people from different nationalities and cultures. We believe in powerful people. That you as a man or woman, a young person, you connect to the Lord Jesus, you connect to Holy Spirit, you can have adventures in God. You get to play. Sometimes the feeling of church can be leaders get to do the kingdom and the people get to watch the displays of the kingdom through the leaders but never get to do the things of the kingdom. Actually, we believe that you are powerful people who can dream, who are on earth for a specific purpose, who God prepared in advance that for you to walk in. Believe that when it says royal priesthood, it means that each and every one of us is a prince or princess. You are royalty. You are royalty. We're all sons and daughters. We're all kings and queens. We're all princes and princesses. And so in this non-hierarchical, where there's no one above and no authority over, where we're dreaming and we're powerful people, the Bible still says there's the gift of leadership. So there's a gift of leadership. And we find a few verses where that's talked about. Leadership is a gift to you. It's a gift to the family, to the church. Romans 12, 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace. Grace is another word of saying gratis. It's free. It's not earned. It's not merited. It's not deserved. It's given. So we've got different gifts according to the grace given to us. If it is to lead, do it diligently. So leadership is a grace gift given 
by the Holy Spirit to the church in order that the church is equipped in their identity, in their intimacy, and in the ability to impact the world. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. And you might be saying, hey, you just says there's no hierarchy. And now you've read a verse that says first apostles. And I love how Pete Carter puts it from Eastgate Church. In a recipe, you know, when you're making a meal and you're making bread or you're making lemon drizzle cake, Fiona, that it might be first of all you put in, I don't know, I don't make these things, it might say first <laughs> eggs. Does it mean eggs are more important than the other ingredients? No, there's a recipe, there's an order. So it says God has placed in the church first apostles, the people who bring the kingdom of God to equip the saints for works of ministry. Second, prophets. It doesn't mean that prophets are less important than apostles. It just means make sure these ingredients are in place. Third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and different kinds of tongues. So God gives gifts of men and women to equip the saints for works of ministry. So a big vision, a big vision, and that's what we're on earth for, we've got a big vision. Because Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and get on with the job of making disciples of where? Of nations, of nations. We've got this huge vision, we are called to the nations of the earth that we might apprentice and train men and women in the way of God and following God as their father and being equipped and empowered for the works that God's got for them. So we've got a big vision. To have a big vision for a city, for example, like London, that you might bring the rule and reign of Jesus wherever you go, requires big, empowered people. And so that's our dream at CCK that everyone in this church will be transformed by the grace of God, metamorphosized, go through the same process in their maturity that a caterpillar does to become a wonderful butterfly. That every person will come to understand who they are and then be equipped to overflow the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus in their daily lives wherever they go wherever they go. And you might say, you don't mean me because I'm shy or timid. I mean you. I mean me. That we can hear his voice and we can overflow the kingdom wherever we go. That you and I can be believers who carry influence to transform atmospheres where we are. You might be going to work and you think it's a bit of a hostile place. A lot of gossip, a lot of backbiting, a lot of... Um, a lot of struggle going on here, you carry by the power of the Holy Spirit an anointing to transform the atmosphere where you go to work and in your family and wherever you are. You can change the atmosphere on buses. You can release peace to the people around you. You can bring heaven's wisdom. You can bring God's solutions. You can heal the sick. Like Tim was saying last week, you can have an idea in your head in a moment that unlocks something that was not being unlocked for a year. You can do that, we can do that, I can do that. So if that's who we're meant to be, 
This is the kind of discipleship that must happen in the context of a healthy church. Discipleship must look like empowering you to be believing believers who actually believe. That's the kind of discipleship that Jesus has called us to. To be apprenticed in the new way of Jesus. Jesus said we're called to do the greater works. We're called to raise the dead. We're called to heal the sick. We're called to open blind eyes. We're called to cleanse those who are struggling with skin conditions. We're called to open deaf ears. We're called to prophesy life wherever we go. We're called to be the head, not the tail. We're called to go out there with boldness and confidence. Why? Because we're part of a big vision. How many are in the church? Billions of us in the church of Jesus Christ on a mission to disciple the nations in the way of God. Because something happened at the cross of Christ that has transformed human history. There's before the cross and there's everything that's yeah. after the cross and we're living in the last days after the cross. And so the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. We're people for the nations, for the earth. And so if we're gonna be discipled into living this kind of life, God, methodology, his equipment for that, is leaders, is the gift of leadership. Leadership is what equips the saints for the works of leadership, of um, service. Leaders create and maintain an environment, a loving and trusting environment, where ultimately everyone is invited and everyone is equipped for adventure. Ephesians 4.11, it says, So Christ gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Not so that they could be really, really impressive gifts, so that people come to the church to see really impressive gifts of healing, or speaking the wonders of God, or presenting Christ, or making people pastors so they can understand truth, and, and so the people just come to these gifts. That's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. It says to, to equip his people for works of service. So the evangelist will equip you to understand who Jesus is, the finished work of the cross, and the righteousness and the forgiveness that's available in Christ, so that... When your neighbour asks you about what you do on a Sunday and says, I'm curious about your life, your response will not be, come to church with me and someone else will lead you to Christ. You'll be, I can, I can lead you to him now. Because I understand how it works. I understand if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so the church has been told for such a long time, bring your people to the experts, that is not biblical. That is not biblical. It's that you would be equipped to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The pastor equips the saints 
to understand the pastoral implications of the new birth so that they too might then pastor men and women. So that when you're faced with someone with a stronghold and, you, and you've just sensed it's demonic, you know what to do. And that you're not frightened. And you know your authority. And you know that the demons have to bow in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So that you don't have to go and look and say, I'm just going to go and look for a man or woman of power for the hour. Where are they? Where are they? No, you know. You know. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's all, wow, the whole measure and the fullness and the maturity and the completeness, that's you and me, one anothering, looking out for one another, bringing that to the world. And so the leader's role then is to create an environment, a greenhouse, a location where the good things can grow. To be, to be watching out that the environment is cultivated and looked after and weeded and watered and protected, but ultimately to equip the saints to do that too. <coughs> so that you can speak the truth in love to one another. You can make disciples of one another. The environment not being policed down from a hierarchy, but the body looking out for one another. Guarding the gospel, guarding the grace of God, making sure it's in line with the truth of the cross. Mm. And so that's why God, Jesus, gave gifts to the church. To equip you for works of service, to be equipped for good works, so that through the body, the local church might be built up, resulting in unity, experiential knowledge of Jesus, maturity and fullness. So this, in a sense, says this, that the leader is the spiritual gift of being a servant so that you get to play in the kingdom of God and have adventures. It's a totally different deal to what many of us have understood about leadership. Leaders have grace. Leaders have a gift. Leaders have a capacity to access spiritual resources and then distribute them so that you too can distribute spiritual reality and grace to people around you. Resources that equip, resources that benefit, and resources from God that serve people. And this leadership is not expressed as authority over you. I once talked to a dear, dear guy and I said to him, do you want to fancy getting a coffee? And he looked terrified because he his experience was, if a leader wants to have a coffee with you, he wants to tell you off. Leadership is not expressed as authority over. It's not hierarchical. 
Jesus is our model of leadership. He's the greatest expression of the most amazing leader who's ever walked the earth. Fully God, fully man. And then it says in John 17, 2, after the cross, before the, 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 the prayer of Jesus, it's about to be glory, going to glory, for you, you granted him, me, authority over all people. Not that he would then become some despotic boss and harsh master of people. It goes on to say that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. He has authority. He has all authority. And what does he do with his authority? He's still serving to give life away. He's still giving life away to people. So Jesus is our model. Authority is not a power to control people. It's not a power to crush people. It's not a power to keep people in little tiny boxes. God's desire is to set people free to be fully human yeah. in every aspect of what it means to be a free man, a free woman, the gospel. That is what God is in the business of doing. And that's why dreaming with God, as we've looked at in part of this series, is so important. Because having access to the Father, having a two-way street of relationship, being able to recognise and discern his voice, is a huge part of coming alive and being fully human. The world needs to see that there is a different model of authority. The model of authority that the world systems are mostly based on is powerful men, powerful people, power over people, often expressed as not always sometimes selfish in the way that it gets expressed. The world needs to see there's a different model of authority because the world needs to know there is a different God. God is different. Matthew 20, 25, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. We're a different kind of people. We've got a different kind of God, and we don't have authority over you. And whoever was standing here would say the same thing. I'll say it for myself. I do not have authority over you. I do not have authority over you to tell you what to do. I have no right to tell you what to do with your time, talents, money, and life. I cannot dictate over you because Jesus said, not so with you. I only have as much influence in your life as you welcome. I have no authority over you, but I know God like you know God, and I've got gifts and grace and talents. I can benefit you. I know I can. If, if you want that influence. And so the leader 
is more like a great coach who guides and helps people discover who they are and how they're going to grow and how they're going to mature and how they're going to serve the body and how they're going to ultimately serve the world. The leader encourages, exhorts by the influence of their life. Influence is power without force. Influence is power without force. I don't know if you've noticed that ultimately, when you grow, it's because you decided. I don't know if you've noticed that. That, that when you grow, and when you serve, and when you give, it really happens when the individual understands for themselves and chooses. And so we can influence you on a whole number of things about how to live a kingdom life. And then what happens is you choose what you'll do with that invitation into the life that God has, which is an abundant life. I sometimes wonder how Jesus held it all together, all those characters, all those differences, the freedom he allowed people to have, the thousands who were at the breaking of bread, thousands, big crowd, excited people. And then he preaches on, you're going to eat my body and drink my blood and the, the, the crowd are thinking, we're, we're Jewish men and women. We don't, we don't drink blood. We don't eat flesh. And thousands of them walked away. And Jesus let them walk away. <laughs> and then he turns to the twelve and says, are you going to go as well? And then they, Peter says, actually, you've got the words of eternal life. When you speak, we come alive. We're going nowhere. They wanted the influence of who he is, God who he was to them, their, their leader given by the Father to lead them. Leaders create an environment where people learn at their own pace to do life God's way. And to say we influence doesn't mean that God doesn't have a way. He has a way. Jesus says, teach them everything and teach them to obey all that I've taught. There is a way, and people learn at their own pace. Hierarchy, authority over, limits, impedes, and undermines the capacity of the body to function together in the strength that only comes via unity and mutual submission. There simply cannot be hierarchy in a natural body or in a spiritual one. <coughs> you think of your own body, it's working in perfect harmony, in perfect unity. And if one part of your body started to say, I'm the boss, you've got real problems. If your hand says, no, actually, I, I, I want to be the boss. No, you work in unity with the rest of the body. You're part of the body. You're vital to the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27 says, but God placed but God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them. Every one of them. Not that you're limited. There's a journey with God where you discover more and more and more of where you're called to be. But you have a part just where he wanted them to be. If they 
overall one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. So all are equal in dignity, all are equal in value, and all are equal in worth. Just different gifts, callings and grace, and measures of faith in God, there are many parts but one body. So you can grow in your faith in God. You, like the Bible says, you prophesy in measure of your faith in God, and you can grow in faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by the work of the Holy Spirit, who leads us into all truth. You can grow in your measures, you can grow in your grace, you can grow in your gifting. Ephesians 4, 7, But to each one of us, grace has been given, as Christ apportioned it. Jesus Christ has given you grace. He's given you grace. Let's land here. The ultimate goal of this gift and grace is Ephesians 4.10. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. That God has given each man and woman who's a believer a particular grace, a particular function in the body, because his eyes are on the whole universe being filled with the, with the glory and the knowledge and the reality of who Jesus is. It's huge what God is about in the earth right now. It's an inconceivably vast mission to make disciples of all nations and to fill the cosmos, the universe, with the glory of God, or as Habakkuk says, that the knowledge of the glory of God might cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's what we're part of. That's what we're called to. It's a huge privilege to be part of the, 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 the church. It's a huge privilege to know the Lord Jesus. It's a huge privilege to have grace and gifting and calling to serve this huge purpose that the whole universe might be filled with the grace of God and the glory of God, and the knowledge of God. I'm going to just, before I read something, I'm just going to invite Holy Spirit to just really confirm to you that you are called, and you have grace, and you have purpose, and God has made you in a unique and special way, because you have a part to play to fill the universe with the knowledge of the glory of God. You're hugely important on planet Earth. You're amazing. God has prepared works in advance for you to walk in, for you to discover grace gifts, not to earn or merit or deserve, but to discover and enjoy. You are God's poem that he wrote even before the foundation of the earth. You're unique. There's no one being on this planet like you. No one's ever been like you on this planet, uniquely called to display the grace and the glory of God. So Holy Spirit, I ask you for gifts of faith even now that each one of us would be fully persuaded and fully convinced by you of our dignity and value and worth in the huge purposes of the Lord Jesus in the earth. I pray that we would understand who we are and we would understand who we carry with us everywhere we go. We are God's address. People say, where's God? He's in you, he's in me and everywhere we go. Holy Spirit is longing to get out and show the world how good God is. So I pray that God, we would agree with you and go on a real amazing adventure 
in our intimacy with you, understanding we're sons and daughters of the living God, we're co-heirs with Christ, and through intimacy we would hear your voice saying, this is what I've got for you. And when we're really sure of, we know what that grace is, Holy Spirit will just encourage you to steward it really, really well. Ask questions like, how can I invest in the grace that you've given me? What would it look like, God? I hear your voice. I know there's ability to bring your encouragement to others. How can I invest in that prophetic calling, maybe? Sometimes it starts by the things that you see around you that get you really annoyed. The things in society that make your blood boil. The things that make you feel it's not the way it's meant to be. Ask Holy Spirit, do you have something for me in that area of injustice? Do you have something for me in that area when you look at the environment and the stewardship of the earth? Do you have more for me where I work that I can bring the values of the kingdom where I work, whether that's at school or in nursing, wherever you go to work, whether it's in finance or whether it's in gardening and landscaping, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, that the grace of God would flow out into this environment. They're lucky to have you there. They're lucky to have you where you go to work. So we're just going to pause for a minute and I'm going to read um, something that kind of again relates to what I've just said. So maybe you can pray for yourself. Say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. It's my birthright to hear the voice of God. Lead, guide and direct me. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. read this to you. A lot of it, I preached it, so it'll be a repeat, but I don't know about you, I need to hear the same thing, sometimes for years before I remember it. Our dream as leaders is that everyone in CCK will be transformed and equipped to overflow the kingdom in their daily lives wherever they go. It requires an empowered people who believe and walk full of the Holy Spirit. That means that CCK is not fundamentally about named leaders. Rather, it is about the priesthood of all believers. 1 Peter 2.5 It is about believers walking into their God-given inheritance fulfilling the Great Commission and bringing the good news of the Kingdom. Sometimes the leadership structure of a church can hinder or prevent the full expression of this. Previously, before coming to CCK, I've actually been a leader in three different churches and in two different nations. And I've certainly found that that's the case. It happens, for example, when people are not released to run in their God-given destiny, but only asked to serve the leader's vision. It happens when the body of Christ looks up to leaders to deliver the ministry that has been assigned for all of us to do. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, look after one another, etc. 
Sometimes there are visible or invisible ceilings which restrict the gift, the gifts or the call of God on people's lives. And some of those invisible ceilings can be things like race and class and gender and level of education. When we arrived in CCK, that was in 2010, this church, right from its beginning, had historically only been led by a team of male-only elders, with one elder taking primary responsible as the full-time employee of the church. And so we went on a journey, and the journey actually started in 2013, when we began to explore what does the Bible say, what's our conviction. And then we went on a rigorous two-year research journey exploring about what the church says about leadership. And it's interesting, if you want to read some of those books, there's a whole stack of books, some of them are enormous and big, but we, we went on a journey of researching. And then we produced a paper about the conclusions and the summarization of this pile of books. You're so welcome, if you weren't around in 2019, to have a copy of that paper. After lots of reading and discussion in, in the team, we came to the conclusion that restricting leadership to male-only leaders was resisting the freedom of the Holy Spirit who calls and qualifies the men and the women he chooses. The conclusion was, that's a big deal if you are restricting Holy Spirit. It really is a big deal. We presented this conviction to the church in 2019, and we did it in a number of ways. There was a, a weekly meeting for a whole number of people who came to discuss the paper, and then September 2013, for 12 weeks, we preached on um, biblical equality over a number of weeks. Now, that series is going to be coming out one day at a time from today on, on the church website. So it will come out today and then tomorrow and for the next two weeks, so you'll be able to listen to that on the website. While we were interrupted by a two-year pandemic, the heart to see a shift in our leadership structure hadn't gone away. Biblically, it's clear that leaders are vital to the health of the local church. Leadership is a spiritual gift from Jesus to his body, a capacity given to men and to women to serve and equip the people for the mission, doing this by accessing the resources of heaven. Leaders help to create good soil. They cultivate, they weed, they water, they protect, so that the good things of the kingdom of God can grow. Leaders create an environment where people can be saved, healed, delivered, and learn at their own pace. And like I've just said, create an environment where people can go and see people saved, healed, delivered, wherever they go. Jesus also modelled how leadership should be expressed through servanthood in the church. Authority for, not over. And the demolishing of hierarchical structures that impede and undermine the capacity of the body to function together and, leave and limit its capacity to reach out and fully express Christ. Authority is given to the leader for the people in order to release them into their gift, calling and anointing. Mutual submission expresses our interdependence, creating a celebration of diversity. The leader is like, the, like a great coach who equips and guides and helps people discover who they are and how they grow 
and to see them mature and serve the body and be planted in the field of the world. So it is with a big vision and purpose in mind that we're making a change and a shift in the way that CCK leadership is functioning. So here's the, here's the punchline. So we're moving away from a two-male eldership team to establishing a church leadership team. To do this, we propose that the church would be initially served by a working team. So a working team, this is not the new eldership team I'm, I'm announcing, it's a group of men and women working on the church. And that working team would include Tim and, and Rochelle and Fiola and Joe Aiken and myself. These are men and women of proven character and gifting who love the church, love you, and have already proven, have a proven record of serving and, and, and serving faithfully. And what we propose is, propose is over a time, we're saying we'll be together for 12 months as a working team, learning to walk together, learning to work on the church together, people growing in their confidence and discovering, is this a gift on my life? So as the team walks together, they're going to experience working on the church and what it feels like to work on the church. And then we will see who has the Holy Spirit equipped, called and given grace and gifting to, to serve the church, maybe in the future as an overseer or an elder. Once that becomes clear, we'll pray in a new leadership team. 